0: my friend, it's Julie Clough here, your life and grief coach. Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast. I'm thrilled to bring you uplifting grief support and hope for rebuilding your life one small step at a time. Our mission is to offer enduring hope, loving compassion, skilled support and effective steps to healing after loss. Let's get started. Good morning, my friend. I Well, it may not be morning when you're listening to this, but it's morning when I'm recording it. So I just had to say good morning. Welcome to episode 144, Coping That's Healing. If you're like me and most people, there comes a time in your grief and healing that you start to recognize patterns that haven't been healthy. I know for me, it was, I was overeating. I was overspending. I'm like trying to think of all the things that I was doing. I was sleeping a lot. Um I was escaping into my books, that kind of thing. So it's so normal. It's so normal to depend on hun- unhealthy patterns to take the edge off of such heavy, hard emotions. And we we get to just think ourselves for doing the best we can, and for finding those things that help us escape, because in the beginning it is just so hard to manage. But what do you do when you feel those nudges to make a shift? Because over time, you start to—at least I did—I started to recognize if I continue to watch this much TV or eat this much food, or you know, so on and so forth. It, in the long run, it's not going to be good. So it's easy to drop into some serious self judgment. Again, I did. Thoughts like I shouldn't be doing this. This isn't good. I'm doing it all wrong. Or even I can't get anything right. And that's what it felt like. And you think this is going to be helpful. I thought that would be helpful. It would be helpful for me to point out to myself that I'm not doing any right, anything right, that I, I can't do anything right, I'm doing it all wrong. I thought that was helpful because I reasoned if I beat myself up enough about it, then I can make the change that I want to make. Unfortunately, this never works. And I was, I'm going to say I was an old lady when I figured that out. Well, not really. Um, I know that it doesn't work because I've tried it. I've tried it too. I remember I had, I had hired a health coach. This was a few years ago. And because my weight was, you know, kind of has always been shouldn't say always, but pretty much always as, as long as I can remember has been an issue for me. And I have thyroid problems and I've had surgery and I've had radio, radioactive iodine treatment on my thyroid. My thyroid has not, um, my thyroid and I have not gotten along very well over the years, but I hired this health coach and she had given me an assignment. I don't remember now what it was. It's too long ago. And I just remember coming to that call thinking, oh my goodness, she's going to be, you know, unhappy with me. And she's going to tell me, okay, now, Julie, if you want the results you want, you've got to get your act together, you know, that kind of thing. That's what I was expecting. That's exactly what I was expecting. And when I got on the call and I said, hey, I just, this just didn't happen. I just didn't get to it or whatever it was. And she said, that's Okay and I was completely mind blown. I was like, what? What do you mean it's okay? It's not okay. I was shocked. I was shocked. Because as a kid, it's not okay. You do it or you don't, and you get in trouble. Like you do it and it's, everything's okay, or you don't do it and you get in trouble. That's the way I was treating myself. And I thought that worked, but it didn't. So what can we do? Today, we're going to talk about how to make gentle changes that promote healing, gentle changes that promote being compassionate with ourselves, being understanding, really understanding what's going on. Because what happens is we develop coping skills, good or bad, over the years as we're growing up, as we're going through just the normal day-to-day challenges of life. And there are certain things that we do. Now we have so many electronics that get our attention and produce dopamine because we get that in immediate feedback. And so it can feel really good to get on a device. That, can, that feels really good because we're increasing our dopamine. But over time, if we're just sitting on a phone or we're just sitting on a computer or we're just sitting on a tablet or whatever we're choosing to do, over time, it's, it becomes unhealthy. It becomes an unhealthy coping pattern. So if we're used to grabbing our phone every time we have an unpleasant feeling and then something really bad happens, what happens? We're doing that more often we're creating a habit, we're creating a, we're having those difficult emotions so much more often that then we kind of go into this place where this is just the, this is just the go-to and it becomes the habit. It becomes a major pattern. And if you're like me, it just feels like there's not much you can do about it. I mean, that's what it feels like. So in unhealthy coping mechanisms, we're resisting what is hard. We're numbing or ignoring the problem. And again, in small doses, that's totally okay. Totally okay. But in when we're doing that constantly, which is definitely what I was doing early on in my grief, and we're doing that constantly, we get to a point where we start to kind of come out of the natural numbness that comes with early grief and we start to to like our eyes are opened and we go oh my goodness i am watching tv for hours a day or i am just playing games on my phone for hours a day and we start to recognize this unhealthy pattern and we're like what do we do so in healthy coping mechanisms we're facing the problem in gentle ways we're allowing the emotions that come up without additional judgment or shame. We're choosing coping skills that help us be in the moment and lessing lessening the resistance to what is. And when I say that, you know, it's automatic to go into, oh my goodness, I need to replace all my healthy coping patterns with healthy coping patterns and i need to figure out what these are and i need to get them online right now because you know i'm not in a good place i want to be in a better place whatever just just take a deep breath and and allow what is and recognize that we're not going to go from here to there in one big gigantic step and it's totally okay give yourself so much compassion and grace. I know I've been really harping on that lately. I feel like every single podcast episode, I'm like, be compassionate, give yourself grace. And I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy. But for some reason, childbirth techniques come come to mind. <laughs> Someone without childbirth instruction, training, practice, goes into childbirth, not knowing what to expect and what happens. Like if you've ever been in a, and maybe you have or you haven't, and that's totally okay. But I know when I went to my first childbirth classes, when I was having a baby for the first time, I was clueless. I was totally clueless. Like I, you know, there were some things I understood, but there was a lot that I didn't understand about, you know, breathing through childbirth. I mean, why do they teach teach us that? Because when we're when we're don't know what's going on, when we don't know what to expect, when we don't realize how contractions come and so on and so forth, then we panic. We panic, we tense up, we resist everything. We resist what's happening and we hold our breath and and then it doesn't help us in the birthing process. Now, if you've had a baby before, you know that even if you know what to do, it is hard to do it. And that, and that's what I'm talking about. Like even when we understand what's going on and what we need, it doesn't make it like super, super easy to do it because we're in pain, we're in grief, we're, you know, you're experiencing difficulty, you're experiencing having emotion. And in general, we haven't even been trained how to handle emotions or what to think about emotions, and so forth. So this is all about like, understanding what's going on, and doing the best we can. It's because someone with childbirth training understands what's going on. They can identify what's happening and they can use the tools they've been taught to help them work with the body to be more relaxed and do its job. So think what can I do to help my body and mind to do the job of grief and healing? Because when when we're because the tendency is to be in continuous resistance to what's going on. Resistance to our grief. Resistance to what's happened. We're just in so much resistance, and that's so painful. So, I invite you to think about what are some of the thoughts that you've had about things that you would like to change? Because chances are you've had thoughts like, I don't want to be, and I'm just using myself for example. I don't want to be back in my room watching TV all day long anymore. That's not serving me anymore. I don't want to be eating so much anymore. I, you know, I I recognized these things that had become deeply ingrained habits over months of grieving. We have a tendency to start asking a lot of why questions. Why is this happening to me? Why has this happened to me? Why can't I figure this out? Why can't I stop doing this? Why, you know, we we ask a lot of why questions. I invite you to start asking what questions because when we're asking why, what does that feel like? Why is this happening to me? Why can't I figure this out? It actually creates more resistance, it creates more shame around the situation, it creates more resistance. So, When we can reframe our questions to what, and we don't have to do this all day long, just like, you know, a minute a day, you're thinking about, okay, what are some of the questions that I'm in my mind? Like, am I asking, why can't I figure this out? Okay, what could I shift to? So shifting to what questions? What's it going to take to make this change? What can I do today to encourage myself to make this shift? What is it I'm wanting to change? And what difference will that make in my life? just asking these gentle questions about what, what can, what's the next step and really inviting yourself to, because I see this all the time. Like we want to make these huge changes and that's not sustainable. So asking what, what is the very next thing that I can do? Asking what helps your mind, your body to do the work of grief and healing. And asking why is resistance. So asking what helps asking why creates resistance. So just like in childbirth, you don't do it perfectly. Also childbirth, typically, even in extreme circumstances, typically doesn't last longer than 24 hours, 36 hours, I think is the longest I've heard. Maybe you have a story longer than that. but it's all the more reason to have good tools because grief lasts for a long time. It's definitely not a 24-hour, 36-hour, 72-hour, one-week, one-month experience. It just isn't. And so there's a certain amount of understanding that we need to be in that grief when we are experiencing. So what? What do you do? What can you do to make some shifts? So how can you choose a super simple step? Some things that people do that don't help in the long run is things like, which I've mentioned, things like overspending, oversleeping, drinking, drugs, overeating, electronics, reading fantasy. There's a long list there's a long list of things that we do that we use to numb. Basically what it is, it's an escape form. It's a form of escape. It's a form of numbing. And there's a certain amount of that that just goes on. There's just a certain amount of that that happens. And I know I did a ton of it. When you're in really, really difficult circumstances and the grief is really heavy, it is natural, normal to go into these escape modes. It is. So our so the next step is to start to raise awareness. It, your, your awareness is already heightened because you're starting you're starting to see things that you could change. You're starting to notice things that are not comfortable anymore. Like it was comfortable for me to lay in my bedroom watching TV all day long when I was in the deepest of grief. That was comfortable because that was all I could handle. But over time, it became uncomfortable to do that. And so I needed new, new ways of acting, new, new outlets. So we're moving from. A form of escape into raising more awareness. And these are, I'm going to suggest some things, but you know, it's a lot easier to sit and watch TV all day long than it is to be in awareness all day long. So as I mentioned these things, this is, this is just about like a couple of minutes a day, like just start like two, five, 10 minutes a day, whatever feels correct for you. But raising awareness, things like moving your body, moving your body helps you to get connected with yourself. Breathing exercises. You can even get on YouTube and follow along with somebody doing breathing exercises or follow along with someone doing a meditation. Journaling is huge for raising awareness, and for getting our emotions out so that we, we don't feel like we have to get all of our emotions out on other people. We can journal, we can, we can write. And then EFT, if you've never heard of emotion freedom technique or tapping, it's a great way of moving emotions through your body because motions are meant to move they're meant to move. So don't try to overhaul your life in a week. (laughs) That's never going to work. That's a recipe for disaster, frustration, discouragement, and more shame. It just is. And I, for years, that was my approach. I would notice something that I wanted to change. And I just thought I needed to just make this change overnight. And, and, and I just needed to shift from here to there. And it just doesn't work it just does not work. It's really going, okay, what? Like maybe you listen to this list, like moving your body, breathing, techniques, meditation, journaling, tapping. These are all things that I work with my clients on, with and, and we've been introducing in the True Hope Club. You choose one of those. Which one of those sounds like doable? Maybe it's breathing. So you go to YouTube once a day and you find a three to five minute YouTube video on breathing techniques and you breathe. That's it. That's not overhauling. That's just introducing a way of slowing everything down, becoming more connected to yourself, more aware of your breath of being in the present. That is the the best best way to start. It's okay that you've been choosing into things that you currently don't want to still choose into. And a reminder that beating yourself up is not the way to make the changes you're desiring. Gentleness, love, and compassion are emotions that will help you make the small successful shifts you want. I promise. Like if you just choose into five minutes a day, And you put that on your calendar and you celebrate when you do it. And you and you show yourself compassion when it doesn't happen. And then you the next day you try again and you you give yourself, you celebrate, you you like save that YouTube video, or you go to the true hope club and you save that spot on the on the recent video where we do a, a short affirmation, meditation, tapping, and you just do that every day for five minutes, I promise it will help you to start making shifts. So the title of this podcast is Coping That's Healing. So number one, don't shame yourself if you're practicing coping skills that are not totally healthy, because everyone does. And two, slowly introduce some new coping skills, slowly. Three to five minutes a day, maybe one minute. Maybe you start with one minute. Even one minute is going to make a difference. Number three, over time, make small shifts away from coping skills that aren't serving you. If there's things that you're currently doing that you don't still want to be doing, you make those small shifts after you've introduced some new coping skills. It's going to give you some strength, especially if you really celebrate when you do your your new practice. It's easier to do to introduce new skills first that help with awareness and feeling what you're feeling. And most of the things we do to cope are okay. It's the overuse that starts to interfere with life. Like it's okay to watch TV, but did I need to watch TV six, seven, eight hours a day? No. It's okay to eat obviously but it wasn't serving me to eat so much that I continue to gain weight. It's okay to to shop like we need things we need to shop but it's not okay for me to continuously spend more money cuz it was creating a dopamine hit, right? So just recognizing the things that you want to shift if you're feeling called out Um, by this episode, and you're going, oh, she just keeps pointing at these things that I do all the time. I did too. It's okay. Like, seriously, it's okay. This, it's normal for us to, to numb, to choose numbing activities. When we're, when we're in heavy grief, when we're in heavy pain, when we're experiencing heavy emotions, we don't have any idea what to do with it's okay. So a quick reminder to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast to help us spread hope and love and compassion and all the good things. Join us on Facebook or Instagram at Build a Life After Loss. And most importantly, try out the True Hope Club today because grief is hard and it's lonely and it's confusing and it's exhausting. And the True Hope Club is a place of encouragement for wherever you are, for wherever you are in your grief journey. You can start today with two free weeks. Do the trial period. Just check it out. Go to buildalifeafterloss.com slash join. Buildalifeafterloss.com slash join. That's J-O-I-N. Have a wonderful week. Remember, I believe in you. Love you.